Song of Solomon, chapter 2. Take your Bibles and turn with me to the Old Testament book known as the Song of Solomon. Now I have my hand shielding my face, and uh, you can no doubt detect that I'm looking down, and I do so because we have our Bibles open to the Song of Solomon. I actually do so for a different reason. I had come prepared to preach um, a different message, and uh, I felt the Lord's leadership uh, to set that message aside, a message I'm more comfortable with, I've been going over and meditating on, and uh, bring a different message, so I'm going to be a little bit more note-bound than uh, I would normally be. Uh, but I think it's the message the Lord would have for us uh, this evening. And uh, I call your attention to Song of Solomon chapter 2 and look with me at verse number 4 and then we'll pray and we'll go back to chapter 1 and begin in verse 1 and work our way down to verse number 11. As we read this uh, evening, I invite you to stand in honor of the reading of the scripture, as is our custom. Um, verse number four, he brought me to the banquet, uh, banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, the double honor of being in your house this Lord's Day evening. Thank you, Lord, for those of us who um, are in uh, good health, that we, uh, uh, that we can return to God's house. We do not stand in judgment of those who are not in this assembly this evening who could not return because of the darkness. They can no longer drive because of uh, their eyesight or because of some other health reason that prohibits them from coming to God's house uh, twice on any given Sunday. We do thank you, Lord, for those of us who are sound in body and for the privilege of returning. And I pray, Lord, uh, that you would speak uh, to our hearts this evening as we look at a section of the Old Testament that is avoided and, Lord, that uh, many do not give attention to because of its subject matter. I pray, Lord, that you'd help me uh, to do so in such a way that uh, it would create, if there's not already a hunger on the part of a member here uh, at Wooden Valley, that they would cultivate a hunger and a thirst for this section of the Word of God. Thank you, Lord, uh, for... um, the hospitality uh, that we've enjoyed already this Lord's Day here at Wooden Valley Baptist Church. Thank you, Lord, for each member. I thank you especially for uh, Pastor Farinella. Uh, Lord, I thank you so much uh, for our friendship um, uh, that has developed uh, these past five years. I thank you so much uh, for the Farinella family. Of course, we're uh, very partial to uh, Rebecca. We thank you, Lord, for providing her in reference to uh, a help uh, mate for our son. I'm so thankful, Lord. I'm so thankful 
Uh, Lord, that my son has membership here uh, in this church and he's allowed to serve under such a gracious um, and seasoned pastor. I thank you, Lord, for the patience of this membership that uh, is extended in reference to someone who's young in the faith, uh, faith who's eager. And uh, Lord, just thank you. I thank you so much for my son, his love uh, for thee. Uh, Lord, we're disappointed in the sense that he's not here and we could not enjoy uh, worshiping uh, in a church service together, but you know best. I pray that you'd help him to improve, uh, improve health-wise. I thank you, Lord, for uh, the good news that he is feeling better, and I pray that he'd continue to, st- uh, to feel better. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd bless the service tonight. And Lord, help me as I provide an exposition for this passage of Scripture. I pray no one goes home hungry uh, this evening. And again, we thank you, Lord, uh, for the freedom that we um, feel when we preach here at Wooden Valley Baptist Church behind this pulpit. And it's very evident that um, uh, they've been exposed to preaching. They love the Word of God. And I pray, Lord, uh, that you'd help me to add and not take away. Help me to be a blessing to Pastor Farinella. Uh, tonight. Uh, Lord, I just thank you for our friendship. And Lord, I, I seek to be a, a blessing to him. And uh, Lord, just thank you for his faithfulness these many years. Uh, thank you for the support of this local church as they uh, honor you by honoring your pastor. And Lord, we just celebrate every accomplishment. We give you the glory. And Lord, we pray in the days ahead, if you tarry your coming or as you tarry your coming, uh, that the best days of Wooden Valley Baptist Church are yet realized that we'll see uh, more people saved and uh, more families added to the church and more lives changed. Uh, thank you for the enthusiasm of this, uh, this congregation in reference to the hymn singing, in reference to the, to the fellowship. There's a sense of love and devotion, uh, not only to Christ, uh, but to one another. And so, Lord, just thank you. I'm thankful that I can be accompanied by my wife. I thank you, Lord, that uh, she's here uh, to enjoy uh, our grandchild, uh, and uh, Lord, just to uh, love on him and uh, her daughter-in-law, and then Lord, our son. And uh, again, we thank you for every gift. We know it cometh down from uh, from you, and uh, Lord, that uh, it's something that uh, though we uh, grow accustomed to, we uh, we're yet uh, astounded that you would look our way and bless us. We pray now you bless the message. I ask it in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Amen. All right. Well, I'm catching up on my prayer life tonight. Amen. <laughs> oh, you've been there. I, I know. Uh, you've been there. Uh, where's Brother Matt? Uh, did he lead to singing and sing about his love for the Lord and then walk, leave? There he is over there. And, and I, I didn't mean to leave you without a ledge, but uh, in reference to the question you asked me about the Dallas Cowboys... I am not a Dallas Cowboy fan. I would root for the Russians in the Olympics <laughs> before I root for the Cowboys. But I, I, I am somewhat of a Texan or a, a, a fan of the Houston Texans. People, if the Seahawks win, people are easier to preach to or uh, more inclined to listen. And uh, right now, you're on a winning streak. It's short. Uh, but uh, we... Uh, We've won like nine in a row, so I can't wait to get back and preach to such a happy congregation. But um, I'm a Pete Carroll fan. I am a big-time Pete Carroll fan. 
But I've become somewhat of a Seahawk fan because of my son. Wherever my son is, I become a fan. And you can certainly understand that. And so, did I say thank you? I just, I want to say, I said it in the prayer, I said it earlier today, but I just, I wish I could just go around and shake hands with each and every member and thank you uh, for the investment uh, you are making in my son. And um, I'm just so thankful for this church family and that he can have membership here in this church. Uh, He's got everyone back in Texas wanting to move to Seattle and uh, wanting to become a member of Wooden Valley Baptist Church. And so, and, uh, so let's look at the text uh, that's before us uh, tonight. Uh, we're in Song of Solomon, and I read into your hearing verse number 4 of chapter 2, and, and, and that's somewhat, of the, uh, somewhat uh, uh, the theme of the, um, the book. And, um, and so if I could, I want to look at my notes, and we'll look up occasionally uh, this evening. And I normally have a pen, and I don't see one up here, but when I preach a message like I'm preaching right now, uh, you have a pen? All right, okay. And I normally have a pen, and that keeps me on point. In reference, if I have a pen, I'm more likely to continue to look down and not look up because if I look up, then I, I start chasing rabbits. And there are a lot of rabbits back in Texas, okay? And so I made that comment one time that, you know, I, I, when I have a pen, I look down and I go through my, uh, my notes and, uh, more quickly and we get to the end of the message. And, and so someone came up after, after the service and gave me three pens. And they said, uh, that way you'll preach, preach three times as fast. But what do we know concerning um, God loving us and us loving Him? We love Him because what? He first loved us. Now let's look at that verse. I'm not going to have you turn, but we find that verse over in the New Testament, 1 John chapter 4, verse number 19. And so we love Him because He first loved us. You've heard your pastor say that. You've said that. You've heard others say that. And, and we say amen, and certainly we're in agreement with that. But exactly what is being said and what is the extent of this statement, it, it's a little deeper uh, in, in my estimation, than perhaps we might think. Um, we could not love God had He not loved us first. Can I get a witness? We could not love Him if He had not loved us first. We could not love Him had He not... Now note how I'm going to say it. Have he not, uh, had He not visited our neighborhood, stepped up on our porch, and knocked on our door... That's the true meaning. If I could say it that way, we could not love God the way we love God this evening had He not visited our neighborhood, stepped up on our porch, and knocked on our door. That's the true meaning. It speaks of the origin of love and not just the order. Now we think of it when we read that verse and we hear that verse, we love Him because He first loved us. You know, God loves us and we love Him back. But by... Uh, if you look at that verse in its context, in its setting, it's not just in regards to order, but origin. It speaks of the origin of love, not just the order. In light of this, we should never get over the fact that He loves us and that He loves us first. Now, if I could just get you to wrap your 
mind around that statement, you should never get over the fact that He loves you and that He loved you first. Order, yes, but also origin. That He sought us out. We think of that well-known story about the shepherd who had 99 sheep. Well, he had 100, but he could only find or locate 99. And, and he went out in search of that one lost sheep. Now, I want you to know that speaks to, or should speak to our hearts about the extent of his love. For us, We should never get over the fact that He looked our way. We should have the same view as the psalmist. And I'm not going to have you turn. And I'm giving you a brief introduction to a message. And then we'll get our... Uh, we'll get our once we get our ducks in a row, then we'll uh, proceed to go through and provide you with an exposition of, of these verses. Uh, we'll go back to chapter 1 and we'll begin reading or begin an exposition in verse 1 and work our way down through verse number uh, 11. But in, in, in regards to uh, this, I'm quoting the psalmist. What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou shouldest have visited him? We should be awestruck. Now I'm going to say this, I'm going to say it quickly and move on. I, if I had more time, I would take it. But I, I'll never forget when I, I, I had been saved, and I had been saved for a while, but I had not grown in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, and and I was being <laughs> tossed uh, here and there with every wind of doctrine. And, and it was while I was a freshman in college, I had one, one foot in the church and one foot in the world. And, and I was being pulled one way and pulled the other way. And, and it was in and through the efforts of a, 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 a teammate. I was on an athletic scholarship. And the efforts of a, a teammate who was a dedicated, fervent believer... Uh, that I, 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 I realized the need to get my act together. And so uh, as I wrapped up my freshman year, I purposed in my heart I was going to get involved in uh, the ministry of my local church. So as I returned back home to Pensacola and I got involved in the ministries of my local church, at that time my pastor was uh, Lauti Huntress. And uh, he had a daughter, and she played the organ. And, uh, you know, I, I look, oh yeah, <laughs> I, I, I was enamored with her beauty and all that uh, we become enamored with in reference to the, uh, the opposite sex. And I, I'm just telling you, uh, my focus was on Jesus, but also on her. <laughs> and, uh, and, but I didn't stand a chance. She was the preacher's daughter, and she wouldn't look my way. But you know, and this is, I'm giving you the, uh, the, the summary or the, the short story in reference to this. But um, I, uh, I had someone after a service, my, or, or my wife and her family, they were in Texas on vacation. And, and I was just wanting to be a blessing to help and, and just be used. And there was a young lady in the church and she said to me, can I talk to you? She said, I, I want to talk to you, and, and there's some things I want to talk to you about. And I was just thinking she wanted some counsel, she wanted some help, and I was, I was ready to do that. But then she said something to me about, I guess you know Tanya likes you. And I was going, what? 
That's all I heard was Tanya likes you. She said, anytime I like someone, she likes them. Now, I, I say that to say I was just overwhelmed. I was awestruck that she looked my way. That's the way we should feel in reference to the Lord looking our way. We should be awestruck. The psalmist was awestruck. Are we? Are you awestruck by Him? Are we as His church awestruck by Him whom we are espoused to? And so, in reference to my notes here, as I work my way down to get to uh, an exposition of chapter 1, we should ask and we should mean it. Why me? Who am I, Lord? Who are we that thou art mindful of us? Who are we that thou would look our way? And that should be your mindset individually. That should be the mindset of this church corporately. Who are we that the Lord would look our way? Here in the Song of Solomon, we find someone overwhelmed by the tension and affection given her by her beloved. Now note, we find someone who is overwhelmed. She's awestruck by someone or by the attention and affection given her by her beloved. Though her actions are not consistent all the time. I don't know how many of us this evening are students of this section of the Word of God, but if you're a student, of the, if you've studied through the Song of Solomon, you know and you understand... Uh, that uh, her, uh, her actions are not consistent all the time. And she's found wavering from time to time. It's evident that she truly loved her beloved. Now I would say, I think it's safe to say, to assume that we all love the Lord. We all love the Lord in light of all He's done for us, in light of who He is, Though we waver sometimes, sometimes we're we're over here. We're sometimes we're over here worshiping. Other times we're over here wavering. But if we were to just ask one another, "Do you love the Lord?" We would say, "Yes, I do love the Lord." I, I know in, in my actions, perhaps today, or in my actions, perhaps this week, uh, it's not been a strong indication that I really love the Lord. But in my heart of hearts, I really do love the Lord. I pastor people back in. Missouri City, Texas, back uh, suburb of Houston. And I'm convinced that practically every member of my church really does, uh, really do love the Lord. Although in their actions at time, it's not evident that they love the Lord. I think in their heart of hearts, though they waver at times, they really do love the Lord. Now having said that, not surprising... The bride in this story is a picture of the church. Now, I, I don't know, you know, I mentioned this morning, you know, a visiting preacher, his greatest fear, one of his fears is that he's going to preach from a text that your pastor recently preached from. I have no idea if, if Brother Farinella or Pastor Chip or, or someone has preached from Song of Solomon here recently. But I purpose to preach, if I might, for a little while, from chapter 1. And I've shared some things. I've kind of scanned my notes this, uh, this evening. And, and I've tried to give you kind of a summary 
of an introductory message as it relates to uh, the theme of this book, his banner. Again, he's brought me into the banqueting house and his banner over me is love. And so now we're going to go back and we're going to investigate. We're going to make our inquiry, if you will, into this love that was bestowed upon her. And we're going to measure her response as it relates to his love. And, and we'll see some things uh, this evening. And so consider some things with me, if you will, as we go back to chapter 1. Again, having shared with you an introduction, uh, a, a summary of, uh, if you will, an introductory message. I, I want you to notice here that the bride in this story, the bride in this story is a picture of the church. And as such, we find the church worshiping at times, and we find the church at other times wavering. That's your testimony. That's my testimony. That's the testimony of this membership, and it's the testimony of the membership at Cornerstone Baptist Church. Sometimes we're found worshiping, and at other times we're found wavering. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I want you to know, though I pastor a church, that's true of me as well. Sometimes I'm worshiping, and uh, I'm giving Him my all, and sometimes, if we'd be honest, and I'm trying to be transparent with you tonight, sometimes I find myself wavering. Now, what we're going to do, uh, what we have here in in chapter 1, uh, we have kind of a, uh, an introductory to uh, the style of the writer and uh, how he's going to go about communicating this wonderful truth. And so if you, if you were to walk into uh, a, uh, the home of someone newly married, you walk into the restroom, at least back in the 60s and early 70s, I don't think it's necessarily true now, but you'd find what we call his and her towels. Do you remember his and her towels? Do you remember that? So the older uh, <laughs> members of the church, yeah, I remember that. I still have one of those towels. <laughs> and, and so his and her towels. And so over here we, have, we see her towel, and on her towel it says love. And that's how she's referred to. Love. That's her towel. And then over here... We have another towel, and it says, Beloved. That's his towel. And so we have her towel, and we have his towel. And so as we go through here, as we go through uh, the, uh, the Song of Solomon, the writer begins to share some things about her. And then he shares some things about him. And so in reference to her, we're going to see that there's some imperfections. Now, I'm not saying that that's true in regards to your marriage, that the fellow's perfect and, the, and, 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 and she's not. Though that's true in my marriage, it's probably not. No, I'm just joking. And so I'm not saying that. But in reference to our relationship with our beloved, the imperfections are on our part. Amen. The problem's not with the Savior. The problem's not with Him. The problem is with the person you see in the mirror. The problem is with 
the body, not the head. And so let's consider some things uh, this, uh, this evening. And so we see her desire. And so at the beginning of uh, this, uh, this book, um, the writer begins to share with us some things about her. And, and we're learning some things about her. And there's much to be appreciated and much to be admired. And, and so note here in verse 2 down through verse number 7. I didn't read verse number 1. But again, we know the Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. And the title of my series, uh, and I, I preached this series uh, probably about five years ago. I'm not preaching the entire series tonight, okay? We're just going to s- skim part of the first message, the introduction, and then the actual first message, which was, I think, delivered over a period of about four weeks. So I'm looking at my notes and skimming my notes uh, this, uh, this evening. But at Song of Solomon, Volume 1. And so <laughs> we're looking... Uh, you, some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Song of Solomon, Volume 1. And uh, so, if you look with me at verse 2 down to verse number 7, we see what's being said in reference to her. And then when we get to verse number 8, down to verse number 11, we look at, and we're made privy to some things said about him. And so first, let's look at, at, and consider some things uh, said about her, and so we're being apprised. We're being apprised of her desire. We're, you know, we're we're looking, if you will, into her heart, and we're finding out some things about her, and 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 what we find said about her, what we discover about her, is actually true of Wooden Valley Baptist Church, and it's true in regards to Cornerstone. Baptist Church. And so I'm not here to bring out your imperfections, but you're an imperfect church. I pastor an imperfect church. The only thing perfect about us is the head. The only thing perfect about us is who we're espoused to. It's about Him. And so consider, if you will... Uh, her desire, verse 2 down through verse number 7. Let's look at verse number 2. Verse number 2. Her desire for intimacy with Him. Note the value that is placed on being in His presence. We find a desire. I mean, she wants to be with her beloved. Her desire is to spend time with Him. Note her desire for intimacy with Him. Let Him kiss me with the kisses of His mouth. For thy love is better than wine. And so, she's speaking in reference to him. And she's saying, my desire is to be in contact with him. My desire is that he would kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Now, you don't have to be a theologian to pick up on what's being said here. I can't wait uh, until tomorrow for uh, Brother Chip's ordination. I've got some questions. I'm going to ask him about the... I'm going to ask him about the kenosis theory. You be ready for that. And then I want to ask you some questions about the hyperstatic union. I want you to be able to explain in detail about the hyperstatic union. 
he's ready. <laughs> you say, Pastor, I have no idea what you're talking about. Neither do I. Okay. <laughs> uh, an ordination service is just to have a little fun. No, it's not. It's a serious matter, and we do look forward to it. And I count it an honor and privilege to be a part of, uh, a, uh, a part of it. Um, but the notion... The desire is causative. Now, now get this. Get the spirit. Get the spirit of what's being said here. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his lips. And, and so this is her desire. Her desire is to be kissed. You heard about the young lady. She went out. Uh, or she, was, she really didn't date all that much. She went out on a d- date with a, with a young man. And uh, he leaned down and he kissed her. On her forehead, and he said, "Good night." And she said, "A little lower, please." And he said, "Good night." <laughs> no. Okay, I I told that joke on purpose because my son makes light or makes fun of his dad and my lack of ability to tell a joke. So, okay. <laughs> uh, so, just when you see Lamar, just say, "Your dad tried to tell a joke." Oh. And he's going to say, Dad, why did you do that? So, anyway. But what's being said here is, let him find a reason to kiss me. Let, I, I, I just pray there will be a reason for him to kiss me. Now note, I just pray that we, a situation can be created that he would kiss me. You say, Pastor, what are you saying? Pastor, what are you saying? Well, I performed a, a wedding back in October, a prominent family, the Papke family. And, and uh, Christina had met a young man, Andrew, and, and uh, they, you know, fell in love and he proposed. And, and so uh, they asked if they could be married at Cornerstone Baptist Church and if I'd perform the, uh, the wedding ceremony. We said we would. And so uh, their wedding was, I think, October 20th. And, and so after the wedding, we were at the reception and, and, and they passed out bells. They passed out bells. I had never seen this done before. Maybe, uh, maybe you have. But they passed out bells. And anyone at the reception could ring that bell. And when they rang that bell... Andrew would kiss Christina. Christina and Andrew, their lips would come into contact. And so someone rang the bell and Andrew kissed Christina. And someone else rang the bell and Andrew kissed Christina. And then someone else and it went over and over again. And finally there was a pause. And Christina picked the bell up and rang it. When's the last time you picked the bell up? We're talking about the Lord Jesus. Do you desire contact? Is coming to church on Sunday night a chore? Is coming early for Sunday school a chore? If there's ever been a time in your life that you love Jesus Christ more than you do right now, you're backslidden and away from the Lord. Oh, she desired, Christine, it was evident, she desired to be kissed by Andrew. I'm telling you, there should be a desire on your part and my part to enjoy the fellowship of Jesus, to be in contact, to say, 
metaphorically, kiss me with the kisses of your lips. You know, we see the, the picture painted by the famous artist, and we see John called the beloved disciple, or the, the disciple Jesus loved, and he's leaning on the breast of Jesus. I pray that we would have that desire. May we learn that if we don't learn anything else this evening, that that is a desire that should be, that, a desire that should be an everyday desire. You know, as I witness that, and I want to stay on track, but as I witness, you know, as a pastor, Brother Fiorinelli, you kind of take in and, you, you know, you kind of take in what's going on. And so as Andrew would kiss Christina, and as that bell, all of a sudden I looked over at this table, and someone's been married about 30 years. The wife reaches over and she grabs her husband's hand. And I look over at this table, you know, and it's like, I kind of like that. It's been a while. It's been a while. One of the things I appreciate about this trip as much as anything is I've seen Pastor Farinella reach over and I've seen his dear wife reach over. I know you're not doing that for show, are you? Because I'm... (laughs) I'm getting a lot of pressure. <laughs> you know, Pastor Varela reaches over and grabs her hand, and my wife's kind of looking at me. Some of us have been saved a long time. I pray we're as much in love with Jesus tonight as we were in regards to that first kiss. You remember that first kiss? Do you remember how awestruck you were? Uh, Note his ambition to promote and to please makes him most desirable. In verse 3, we looked at verse 2. Look with me at verse number 3. His ambition to promote and to please makes him more desirable to her as well as all onlookers. If you'll note here in verse number 3, it says, Because of the savor of thy ointment, thy name is as ointment poured forth, therefore do the virgins love thee. Now, I don't have a lot of time, but if I could just bring out a few things as it relates to verse number 3. And as I said, his ambition, we're, 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 she is, uh, she's thinking these thoughts and these desires... Are, are, are prevalent in her life and she desires to be kissed by the kisses of his mouth and, and her desires to be in his presence and not to be separated from him and, and, and she's just rejoicing in the fact that she's who she's with. And if you'll note, his ambition to promote and to please makes him more, most desirable to her as well as onlookers. Note, he esteemed and admired, he's esteemed and admired for who he is and what he can give. What he offers. What does he offer according to this verse? Ointment. Now, we don't have a lot of time to build a, an understanding of what that means, but if you'll note, uh, it's, uh, the statement is not just ointments, but good ointments. What is that reflective of? This speaks of the beautiful things that his presence adds to the lives of those around him. Now, she's talking about her husband. The text is actually, in reality, talking about Christ. And so, let's not just see his and her towels. Let's not just see uh, a 
a, a, a woman in love with her husband. But let's see what's true of us as Christ, as His church in the relationship we enjoy. Again, it speaks to the beautiful things that His presence adds to the lives of those around, around Him, especially her. This prompts her to say, truly, His banner. So we find that statement over in chapter 2, verse number 4. The context, what causes her to say that is what she's currently experiencing. And what she looks around and she says, His banner over me is love. You know, that's what each and every church service is designed to do. To help bring to mind that His banner over me is love. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Bless His holy name. Oh, it's a blessing to read this and to make a connection with what Solomon, or the relationship that Solomon is really speaking of. The relationship between Christ and His church. I pray that as you make your way out tonight, you'll be able to say, His banner over me is love. That's the reason you have devotions in the home, whether it's just you and your bride or, or you and your bride and your family as you begin to build a family to bring your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord to raise them in the way they should go. And you say, Pastor, what does that translate? That translates to your children growing up in an environment where they say, His banner over me is love. God has been so good to me in providing me His Son as a means of redemption. And since I've been saved, He's made me a part of a local fellowship. What a wonderful thing it is to be a member of Wooden Valley Baptist Church. That's an awesome thing. To hear my son, I mean, he loves his home church, but to hear him talk about this church, and it's not just verbosity. He feels that in his heart. And I pray we all feel that in reference to the church, in reference to fellow believers. His banner over me is love. When I look at my life, now note this, when I look at my life, Brother Farinella, from here, And I begin timeline. You have the timeline in the hallway about the church. But going back to Chicago when you were reached with the gospel. And you see, you look at that point where it all began. Where you, where he came to your neighborhood. He stepped up on your porch. Rich Farinella! I love you! Starts begins to manifest His glory week in and week out. And you begin to grow in grace and in knowledge. That's your story. That's my story. That's the story of every believer. And you begin to look from this point. And you begin to look at your life over the years. Over the years. And you look from where it began to where you're at now. And you say, truly, His banner over me is love. And you're awestruck. You are lovesick. You're lovesick. You know, I pastor church, so I know a little bit about this. 
your pastor should not have to connive and scheme to get you to witness about your love for Jesus Christ. Shame on us if what he's doing for us in the present is not, we're not cognizant enough, and it doesn't mean enough to us that we'd want to witness and share our faith. You know, the woman in John chapter 4, she didn't attend a, a class on personal evangelism. No, she just was in the presence of the Savior and she went to the city. She said, come see a man that told me all that I ever did is not this to Christ. And I'm telling you, if every member of Wooden Valley Baptist Church, every member of Cornerstone Baptist Church had an awakening of who they're espoused to, we wouldn't have to announce visitation or announce the next service. We'd say, Pastor, not can we have less church, but can we have more church? Not, Pastor, when are we going to get out? But, Pastor, why can't we start earlier? Now, I say that not to shame you. I pastor church. I know what it is. I have feet of clay, just as you do. Note her desire, if you will. Verse number four is to be taken by him. To be taken by him to be possessed by Him, to be led by Him. Note two words, if you will, and we're not going to read the entire verse, but note these two words, draw me. Draw me. Look at those two words there. Now, we were out of the restaurant last night and again today, and my little grandson, have you seen my little grandson, Datsun? Datsun. What's his name, Daxton? Why couldn't you name him John or something easy? (laughs) Daxton. Looks just like Brother Farinella. (laughs) But uh, they bring color crayons. And some of us, my grandson, when it says draw me here, Brother Matt, it's not saying take color crayons and draw a picture. Draw me, it's like, a, it's like you go to the well and you put a bucket down and you draw the water out. It's like a raffle where you draw and someone's announced as the winner. Again, the idea here, uh, here, draw me, choose me. This is, this is what she's saying. This is what she's saying in reference to her beloved. This is what she's saying. She's saying this, she's saying, choose me, bring me with you, hold my hand. I will go where you lead. For how long? Always. Now and forever. How many love songs have been written Containing the word always and forever. Amen. Did you have a, am I the only one that had a, a sweetheart in the fourth or fifth grade? You remember the notebooks, the old blue notebooks? And you'd take a pen, you'd write her name or she would write your name. And it would say, I love Lamar. And it wouldn't say, for now. What would it say? Someone tell me. Forever, forever, forever. And what she's saying here, her desire, her desire is to be taken, possessed by him, led by him. Choose me, bring me with you, hold my hand. I will go where you lead. For how long? Always and forever. It's reflected in uh, the exchanging of vows. 
but sometimes I think it's just rhetoric. Do we really listen and pay attention to what one person is saying to another? Our present culture would uh, say that we're not really listening. Or we really are not sincere. And you've heard enough of that here, no doubt. Not that you've heard enough of it in the sense... Thank you for being faithful, brother. Amen. The effects of wine. Note the last statement here in verse number 4. I say verse number 4. This is reflective of the early verse. The effects of wine will fade. The party will end. The honeymoon will one day end. Amen. The honeymoon will end. But note what she says. My love never. My love never. There will never be a ceasing in regards to my love for you. We witnessed, you no doubt witnessed here, uh, this here pastor, someone coming and they come to Wooden Valley for the first time and they're just enthralled. Man, this is the greatest church ever. And they hear the preacher and then, man, he's the best preacher ever. I said he's the best preacher ever. <laughs> Wake your wife up, Brother Farinella. Wake her up there. Best preacher ever. And man, they just can't wait to join the church. And they tell you, man, and boy, they're here for everything. And then all of a sudden, the love wears off. Where are you in your relationship with your beloved? Where are you? The effects of wine, she said, will fade. The party will end, but my love, never. I will go with you any, I will go anywhere with you. You are my, now know what she says. You are my king. Wow, what a statement. And I have to hurry, I have to rush on. The second phrase, the most noblest of men praise you. That note, the last phrase here in verse number four, verse number four, the last phrase, it says, the upright love thee. And there's several different interpretations, mine is right and everyone else is wrong, so listen to mine. I say that tongue-in-cheek. I do recognize the fact that some people uh, look at the verbiage and translate I say translate it. Uh, they come up with a different understanding. But I think the best interpretation or the, th- or the interpretation most sound in reference to the Word of God is this. If you'll note the second phrase, the most noblest of men praise you. My estimate of you is shared by those in the know. You know, we say, to know Him is what? Love Him. To know Him is to love Him. And, and we're convinced of that. We've experienced the love of God. And so we know that. And we echo that. We say amen to that. And what she's saying is those who know you respect you. Those who know you appreciate you. Those who know you love you, and because I know you intimately, I especially love you. He says the most accomplished, you are every rational person's choice. How many times have you witnessed to someone and, and they say no and you just don't get it? I mean, how many, if you were lost, you'd get saved? You say, well, Pastor, if I was lost, I'd get saved. How many would get saved for a relative that's not saved right now? You said, man, I would love to get And you know, you experience it every day. And what she's saying is, those who really understand, those who are rational, it carries with it the understanding, the one who has held their life in check, the person who keeps themselves kept, 
that person who strokes their beard and are most reserved, the thinking man's person, they consider and they say, I choose him. I choose him. We mentioned Papke, Christina Papke, and and, uh, I didn't tell you how old she was. Uh, Christina and Andrew, uh, they're in their mid-30s. It's Dr. Papke and Dr. Howard. And, uh, you know, here I am. I'm, I'm marrying this doctor and this doctor. And, and it's not that she's not had other uh, suitors. It's just that she's been waiting, saving herself for the right person, praying and seeking God's faith. And you know what? It's very evident that God had Andrew for Christina and had Christina for Andrew. We know and understand that God has placed Christ here for every sinner. Amen? He's, 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 he's your suitor if you're not saved. Every man, woman, boy, and girl, Christ is the right choice, the rational choice. We are told in verses 5 and 6, or if you, what we're told in verse 5 and 6 is noteworthy. She didn't view herself as being worthy of him or his love. And we think of an inferiority complex as not being a good thing. But I want you to know in reference to the church, as we look at ourselves in light of him, we are inferior. Now, you're not inferior to me, and I'm not inferior to you. But we have to leave an analogy alone sometimes. You know, sometimes we'll, we'll see an analogy, and we'll want to take that analogy and fix it. But... The analogy is that creation is inferior to the Creator. And in reference to this relationship, we are inferior. I'm not saying a wife is inferior to her husband, but I'm saying in reference to this relationship, we are inferior. We can't appreciate other truths that are set forth in this relationship unless we see it in this light. Uh, There's much to be considered But sometimes we have to leave an analogy alone. The color of her skin, note, having been darkened by labor or some type of skin condition which caused her to not be welcome in public. And based on this, it was presumable servitude for a lifetime. Now note, because of her station in life, her position, it was servitude today, servitude tomorrow, servitude always. We have been freed from the harshest of servitude. But we've entered into a hallowed servitude. There's no getting around that. We've been delivered from servitude over here. But know what Paul says, I'm servant to Christ. And every member of the church is in servitude to him. And there's more here than I could possibly cover. But I want you to note here in verse 7, her request to be instructed and directed to ensure precise fellowship, quality time. Remember, to spend time with him is a must. She seems to be in pain. Note this, Pastor Fiorinella, as I was examining this passage and as I was looking, again, I had another message I was going to preach on the last words of David. And I just felt sure that's what the Lord would have for us. 
And then I started looking at this, and I had another sermon that I was looking at, and I said, you know, certainly that's what the Lord, and I kept coming back to this, not trying to over-spiritualize it, so I'm not as familiar with my notes tonight, I'm having to look down, but I hope you'll get the, uh, the sense of what's being said here as we look at this uh, relationship in existence between her and Him and between us and the Savior and see that we're imperfect, He's perfect. And to see Him worthy of all, uh, worthy of servitude. Paul talks about it in Romans. No longer in servitude to sin. We've been made free. But we are servants to Christ. We're bond servants. We choose to be in His presence because we're well treated. I choose... To serve because of all that he's done. What did Paul say in Romans chapter 12? I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Could, could Christ, could, could the Father ever ask anything unreasonable of us based on what he's done for us? Absolutely not. And there's so much here. But her request to be instructed and directed to ensure precise fellowship, quality time, to spend time with him was a must. Sometimes a wife would complain because the husband's not home. And I'm thinking, you know, and the husband would say, well, I'm just, she's always fussing about, and I'm thinking, man, you ought to be thankful she wants to be in your presence. You ought to be thankful that she looks out the window and looks forward to when you come. But sometimes I think the Savior metaphorically looks out and he says, or or, or the Savior desires to be in our fellowship, but he never finds us looking out the window or never finds us eager to see him arrive. Shame on us if we lack a desire to be in his fellowship in light of all that he's done for us. Shame on us if we don't desire to serve him. He loved us. First, again, not just order, but origin. He visited your neighborhood, stepped on your porch, knocked on your door. And based on that, there should be a desire on your part, my part, to be in his presence now in all ways. She seemed to be in pain. As you read this and as you go through this and And sometimes you almost want to say, enough with all the complaining, and yet I see myself in her when I look in the mirror. And she seems to be in pain to hurt when separated from her. What a testimony. To hurt when separated from her. I've been on mission trips, various countries around the world, and I want you to know there are some churches, they don't have the privilege Brother Matt, they don't have the privilege of coming back to church on Sunday night. It's not an option. Uh, the idea of having a midweek service, not an option. The, the frequency in which we meet here in the States is not an option in some parts of the world. Not an option. What a privilege it is. What an awesome thing it is for us to be afforded not just one service a week, but All these different services, it should never be a burden. I know it's a burden in the sense that we have jobs and different things, but we should count it a privilege. 
every time we enter into the sanctuary. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Isn't it a privilege? Isn't it a wonderful thing to be in church, especially if I close the message out quickly? Amen, amen, okay, all right. A reason it seemed like a long message, back in Texas we have a draw and everything's slower. And so you people are accustomed to hearing a sermon delivered more quickly. Okay, all right. You're going to go home and tell your, I can't believe your dad. Okay, all right. His devotion, and I'm going to look down. Where's my pen? Someone want, does someone else have a pen they want to give me tonight? <laughs> I'm going to get five or six. Some of you want to throw it at me. I saw you, dear lady. Okay. All right. So I've got the pen. We're going to look down. And so note this. His devotion concerning her. Verse number eight. Look with me at verse number eight. If thou, verse number eight. If thou know not, O thou fairest among women. Note what Christ is saying of his church. Note what's being said. If thou Know not, O thou fairest among women, go thy way forth by the footsteps of the flock and feed thy kids beside the shepherd's tent. I'm going to leave a thought with you here. And if you would uh, do me the honor of taking my word for this, verse number eight is, you should bathe. You should should bathe in the truth that's set forth in this verse. You should just say, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to get everything there is out of this verse. This verse will bring warmth to your heart and help you to, uh, to overcome any dreary day that you experience in your Christian life. I love this. Note his devotion concerning her. Culture teaches us that the wives and children would assemble. Remember, he's a shepherd. This is a shepherd. And he, his wife, he's away from his wife. And he's tending to the flock. He's doing these different things. And, and she's just... Beside herself because she wants to spend time with him. She, she's been without a kiss. She's been without embrace. She's been without intimacy. And she desires to be with him like you desire to be with the Savior. You can't wait for devotions tomorrow. Again, I'm not trying to shame you. I'm just saying this is what's being testified to. And so culture teaches us that the wives and children will assemble and wait patiently for the shepherd to return. And the idea, he's going, to, he's going to come and he's going to come over that hill in just a moment and he's going to be bearing gifts and the shepherds would come from a, from a, from a distance and all these different shepherds would make their ways way down from the hill and they would stand outside the shepherd's tent, the wives and the children, and they're looking just as we would stand at a port and wait for a ship to arrive or an airplane or an airport and wait for a plane to arrive and they're waiting for the shepherd, they're waiting for dad, they're waiting for their husband, They're waiting for the one they've been separated from who's been out tending the sheep, taking care, sacrificing. Did I say sacrificing? Sacrificing. So he makes his way back. And she can see in a distance, here he comes! And he's bearing gifts. You know, Jesus is going to return. And when he returns, he's going to have a gift in his hand. What a blessing To know that the chief shepherd, the great shepherd, the good shepherd is going to return. Look, lift up your heads. Your redemption draweth nigh. We're looking forward to the return of Christ. Is Is it just words on a page when we sing it? No. They have truth. They, I want you to know it's reality. 
Jesus is coming. He's going to return. Now note this, the term fairest among women indicates value he has placed on her. You know, Christ values the church. Lest we forget, he, he bled and died for it. You're important to him. You may look in the mirror and say, I'm of no worth. I, 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 I'm of no value, but I want you to know, Christ bled and died for you. You are of worth to him. And it's very clear here in reference to this analogy as we see it played out between her and him. Note this, to willfully and cheerfully be given to much sacrifice in fulfilling his due diligence. This is speaking of him. That's what we should focus on. You know, sometimes uh, a mom will have to help the children focus on what da- why daddy works and why daddy, why can't daddy do this? Why can't daddy, well, daddy's doing this, daddy's doing this. And we, uh, sometimes it's making excuses and that's not good, but sometimes it's, a, it's reality. And if you'll note here, as it relates to him, to willfully and cheerfully be given to much sacrifice in fulfilling his due diligence. This parallels the story of Boaz and Ruth. He sacrificed to secure Ruth. If you'll note here, he sacrificed to secure Ruth was a joy. Boaz, in reference to what you're doing for Ruth, are you just fulfilling your obligation? No, I love her. And you study it and you find out in reference to what we see Boaz doing in reference to Ruth. She had no one, no one to turn to, but thankfully her Boaz was there. We had no one to turn to, but thankfully the Lord Jesus was there. And that's the story. That's the story of Ruth. That's the story of uh, Boaz and Ruth. We call it Ruth, but it's the book of Boaz. It's about his love for Ruth, that Gentile bride. What a story. Remember Christ and his followers? followers? The Bible speaks that they counted all joy. Remember in reference to the cross that the book of Philippians said he considered the joy that was set before him. You get up as a, as a husband, as a father, and you go to work. And, and, and sometimes you have to remind yourself why you, do, why you do this. You do this because you love your wife. You do this because you love your children. You do this not necessarily for your sake, but for their sake. And that's what we see in the Lord Jesus. To demonstrate love to her who's not lovely in her own eyes. I hope you picked up on that. She looks at herself and she says, I'm not all that attractive. I'm not beautiful. I'm not becoming. And yet, he continues to demonstrate his love to her, who's not lovely in her own eyes, to forever single her out to be his. Choosing her apart from her peers. Assuring and reassuring and later even chastening at times. You know, I understand your pastor here recently. I knew this before, uh, uh, before Hunter or before Lamar shared this with me. But uh, he stopped in the middle of the series and preached on some things as it relates to Calvinism. And I already knew what he believed. I want you to know, I, 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 I at Hoare 
all five points of Calvinism, but you're looking at someone who is chosen. You're looking at someone who, who God chose. And I'm so thankful that though I was unlovely, He chose me. I'm so thankful. Oh, how He loves you and me. Though we're unlovely, He still loves us. Choosing us apart from our peers. Assuring and reassuring. And even later chastising. I don't have time to go to Hosea and say some things. But every relationship is of primary or secondary importance. And this is invitation time. Every relationship is of primary or secondary importance. Every relationship you have right now is of primary or secondary importance. The church has never been secondary with the Lord. You have never occupied second place with the Lord Jesus. Never did He say get in line and tell you to go to the end of the line. The church occupies first place with the Lord. You occupy first place with the Lord. Verse 9 down through verse 11, we read of her anxiety. Or her anxiety is put down by His words and His deeds of devotion. If my love is not obvious, and this is what he's saying in summary... He says, if my love is not obvious to you, if you're feeling so unloved, if you've allowed these negative thoughts to enter into your mind and you're beginning to believe a lie instead of the truth, if my love is not obvious, look at me, look at you as you go about your routine. And he's saying this, you stand out to me. You still have my undying affection. What a wonderful thing it is to feel love. And the enemy, oh, smut face, Satan, will take you who have, I'm talking about that member today, you've extended a hand and you've had that smile. And I'm not saying it's fake, but it sometimes is a habit. And down in the deep recesses of your soul, you just don't feel that love. I want you to know that's so not true. It's so not true. And I want you to hear me this evening, according to the book of uh, the, uh, the Song of Solomon, if there's a truth to be gleaned from the book of Solomon, it's that though she is imperfect, and he spends... The entire book, the entire, if you will, every song on the album, he spends convincing her of his love for her. And you know, it's what pastoring is a lot of times, Brother Farinella, it's just convincing the membership to buy into, thus saith the Lord. I want you to know here, tonight, That He loves you with an undying love. That His love is a forever love. And that when you entered into a personal relationship, He's not going to step aside. He's not going to cast you out. Is that not clearly stated? 
in reference to all that come into me, I will in no wise cast out. I, I realize in reference to relationships here, we see people walk out on their marriages. We see people abandon those who they made a covenant to love. But I want you to know, the Lord Jesus will never go back on His vow. He loves us with an everlasting love. And so we can enter into His presence knowing that He loves us. We can spend our Mondays and our week bathing in that reality and not allow circumstances or the enemy, oh, smut face the devil to convince us otherwise. I, I, I would agree with you. Sometimes we are unlovely and sometimes we are imperfect. But I want you to know, His love is not based on our performance. His love is based on His character. I have a pastor friend. Well, he's retired from the pastorate right now. He's preaching a funeral. Uh, and it was, he was conducting a graveside service. And it was in Rose, at Rosemont Cemetery on, on Division Street in Arlington, Texas. And he was conducting a, the interment of the body. And, and uh, he was uh, trying to be a comfort to the family. And as he was wrapping up the, the service, he looked off in the distance. And he saw a lady, an elderly lady. And she was kind of stooped over. And she was by herself. And she was at at a gravesite, And he kept talking, he kept doing his thing, but after everything was said and done and everybody had been dismissed, he, he just felt compelled. He said, i got to go over and say something to this woman. And, and so he said, God's leading me to do this. So he went over and he talked to this woman. He said, ma'am, I don't know you, but I'm a pastor and I'm a pastor of Lakeland Baptist Church in Fort Worth. And I, I, if I can be a blessing or help, I, I see you're grieving. And she said, oh, that's my boy. That's my boy. And she was grieving and she said, that's my boy. And he said, ma'am, if I can be a blessing to you, she said, that's my boy. And he looked down and it said, Lee Harvey Oswald. And he said, oh, pastor, how could she love someone who did what he did? How could God love me? How could God love you? Well, I don't know, but I'm thankful he did. Would you bow your heads? So we give a verse of invitation. I appreciate so very much your, your faithfulness in coming and being here this evening. As we give the invitation, I know the hour's late, but I would ask in reference to we love him because he first loved us. We're not here to examine His love for us. We know He does. But as a member of this church, how are you doing in loving Him? You're the object of His affection. He loved you so much you went to the cross. Every relationship is of primary or secondary importance. Where is He? Does He occupy first place in your life? Or have you relegated Him to second or maybe even lower? The fact that you're here tonight, I, I can assume that you purpose to love Him as we're commanded to do in the first com- as it relates to the first commandment. As we stand our feet, heads bowed and eyes closed, as Brother Matt begins to sing, if you're here tonight, you're not where you need to be, would you come, would you step out on this verse, would you make an altar of your pew? If there's ever been a time in your life where you love the Lord Jesus more than you do right now, you're backslidden and far away from Him, Let's love Him 
proportionate to how he loves us. You say, Pastor, I could never love Jesus in the same way. Well, that's true, but you can certainly attempt to show your appreciation. Sometimes we'll say in reference to a mom or dad and a sacrifice, how can I ever repay? And certainly you can never repay the sacrifices of, her, of a mom or dad, but how that pales in comparison to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. There in your pew, here at the altar, let's just take a few moments. I know the hour's late. But take a moment to just love on the Lord Jesus there in your heart, there in your, in your spirit, say, Lord, help me to love you more than I do. More, may others see my love manifested on a daily basis. As we close the message out and turn the service over to Brother Farinella, I appreciate your willingness to come and be a part of the services today. I thank the Lord for the opportunity to stand and pastor, stand, preach. Thank you, Brother Farinella. I pray the messages today have added to your life in some way. Brother Farinella. My Jesus.